0: All right, and welcome back to the Price for Paradise. My name's Woody, aka Creston Woods. And with me today, we brought back TJ. He's back again. He was here a couple weeks ago. Yep. No ringer. Yep. No, no ringer this time. It's just all TJ. You know, we're talking topics today because we've talked to the story plenty. And so we want to just, you know, bring up. What's been going on in the fitness industry lately? So um, some things we it. think are rated, overrated or underrated or what we got going today. So TJ, what have you seen lately Ooh. in your training with some of your clients? So like uh, what has been like, I don't know, something that has brought to mind lately for you? Uh, as far as what's underrated or overrated or just, or just a, that just that I'm a general about? thing that you're thinking about when you're working with clients lately?
1: Um, injury prevention uh, when they're getting to a higher level. I think they see this big increase in their vertical, uh, how fast they move, how explosive they are. Um, But now they have the structure to do that and to maintain that takes a little more work. And I think that's a realization a lot of my athletes have to come to is now that I can do these springy, uh, make these adaptations really quickly, um, I'm going to have to take care of my body as well. Because sometimes things are not going to go the way we want. We're gonna tweak something slightly. Plyometrics
0: you know. do like harm the body quite a bit. Like yeah. you are, it's an explosive movement, so it tears up the muscles, right? Those are quick twitch fibers, yeah. and so those are you know damaging activities.
1: Mm-hmm. And one thing I can do to really help my people is build them up from a foundation, because a lot of people come to me and they see, oh, I saw you do a hurdle hop and an approach over the six foot hurdle. I saw your clients doing that. It was so exciting. It's, well, I'm glad you want to come do that, but we're going to start with these pogo hops on the turf and I'm going to break you down from a fundamental point so that when we get to that point, they have the best chance of doing it safely and doing it effectively to transfer to their sport. Cause that's the whole point of if you're an athlete working with me, right?
0: Yeah. And so I see the pogo hops a lot. Tell us what a pogo hop is. I mean, it's kind of exactly what it sounds like, but yeah. yeah. Well, and there's a lot of different versions. So I'll
1: just tell you what I do with it. Cause I hear people argue about this in my space. Uh, But a pogo hop is where we're just extending our ankles, maybe a little bit of knee bend, but we're not trying to push our hips back at all. So it's the small elastic motion up and down, almost like a pogo stick. Um, So I have my athletes do this one so we can pick apart how they're landing, how they're pushing, extending. If there's any parts of the movement we need to emphasize more. And if you do repetitive motions through this jump, you can see yourself as, oh, that that landing threw me off to the side, pushed me forward. That way you can adjust and figure out, hey, how can we optimally go through this movement? Um, not to mention it's a lot of connective tissue we're actually working on with these springy plyometrics. People think of muscle when they think of tearing down the structure. A lot of times we're really working with the connective tissue for the extremely fast reactive movements.
0: Yeah, and so like... To what kind of athletes need pogo hops, and is it just every athlete, and like, is there a variation that needs to, you know, be more so for different athletes?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think every athlete can benefit from it. Almost yeah. every sport rewards you for explosiveness, um, adaptability, change of direction, and in just in general, being more physical. Now, you look at like a cross country runner. Someone might argue that they don't need it. But I would argue, okay, is it a woody cross-country runner who has this background that came from baseball and now you're adapting to more distance sports? Or is it more a cross-country runner that's been doing it their whole life and is very slow twitch, runs the same 200-meter pace that they run for their mile or their two-mile pace because they just don't have that same structure? I think that it would benefit them to learn it and have both in their bag. But if that became the main thing that that cross-country runner was training for, it would pull on their main you know, uh, structure and their main energy system and the main way that they work. So I think it benefits everyone to kind of roundabout answer, but it depends on what type of athlete you have um, and how often you need to do it, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, because I do see the benefits in, like, gait and, and being able to get the right, you know, push off when sure. you're in your running form in general, right? Mm-hmm. Because some people are just dragging through, even though you're, you know, pretty good distance runner. Are you yeah. putting yourself in position to move properly so that you don't get hurt out there? If you don't have knee problems, you don't have hip problems and ankle problems and all these things. Agreed. And Completely. so, like, those little plyometrics added into a program could make the difference in injury Absolutely. prevention. Yeah.
1: And then to go away from the cross-country aspect. I have a lot of volleyball players, basketball, um, jumping sports, vertical has been one of my favorite things to train and it's kind of taken off. Uh, But a lot of these athletes are jumping so much at practice. So for me, I'm not going to have them do 50 split jumps. It doesn't make any sense for them to have that much volume. What we're going to do is maximize and utilize those effective reps. So going back to how can pogo hops be useful, they're a lot lower impact. We can really work on efficiency and that stretch reflex Um, While building them into really effective, maybe four or five uh, two foot jumps, you know, where they're going over the hurdles, four or five reps. I don't want them doing much more because they're jumping constantly at practice. We just want to make those habits perfect so when they go out there, it's reinforced when they practice.
0: Yeah, and so, like, how do you program? Yeah, because jumping is Im- impactful, right? So, like, how do mm-hmm. you program that in a week's, like, span? Like, how do you think, like, max jumping day versus game day versus, you know, Good um, training days, just, like, like, what's the, the programming there through a week? To I hate to do this gray answer again, but yeah. a lot
1: of athletes are different, you know? You, so what I do is I, I try to communicate a lot with my people where I ask them how they feel. It's probably annoying how much I ask them. And I don't really allow the answer, fine, or I'm good. I need more details. Like
0: how much Mm -hmm. neuromuscular fatigue (laughs) do you have? Please tell me.
1: (laughs) And so a lot of my athletes, what we'll do is we'll structure early in the week. um, When they're coming off of playing, they've had a couple days off. Uh, Say we come in Monday, we're going to do some some pogo hops just to prep. Um, Then we're going to go into an explosive plyo block all by itself. And then we'll go into the lift and compound movements. As opposed to later in the week, we might do a – Uh, contrast like a French contrast is one of the most famous ones where we'll do let's say it's a squat you'll mimic that similar movement with a jump and you'll contrast it instead of having it in its own block you're trying to do it while you're fatigued and while you're reinforcing resistance through that same type of path and that same type of motion Um, that's just two different stimulus you're gonna get as well as you're not having to do a ton of reps and get that big impact and your athletes playing when they're tired you know what I mean so then usually if they're coming a third day of the week it's not going to be as tense if as intense if they're jumping um we don't need that many solid impacts especially if they're practicing and playing if they're not practicing and playing we might approach it differently
0: now you said something about training when tired and so now in some games and some things you have to you know be able to play when you're not at 100% right Agreed. so um in training do, how often do you you know push the boundaries versus how often do you like i guess you know let them if you're not feeling it today let's just do some form work versus mm-hmm. so that like because sometimes we need to learn that grit side of things too yeah i think i'm going to make some
1: old school coaches throw up in their mouth right here but uh <laughs> i i think that a, a new wave with this and something i really believe in is we're going to be tough we're going to push ourselves but we're going to push ourselves within realistic limits pushing yourself past injury, it all comes back to the why I'm trying to help you be better on the court or on the field. If I'm having you hurt from my sessions, that's not helping you be on the court or the field. So I need feedback from them constantly, as well as I can see a lot of these times when you're watching, all right, this person's getting really fatigued. And then you know what, you got to ask them the right questions. Are they sleeping? Have they had enough protein? Have they done, you know, you go through the whole list of things because if any of those are falling off, we might not need to push it as hard today. So that's why it's also important (laughs) If these athletes wanna push those boundaries where they're gonna to have to in their season, they gotta take care of that stuff on their own. I can't follow them around all day. They have to eat the right things, they have to make sure they sleep enough, hydrate enough. You know, we could go through an entire list. Yeah. But the more they take care of on their own, the harder we can push that boundary. And you know what? In my opinion, that's the safest you're gonna be, is because when you get in your season, it doesn't it's too late now. You know, you're going to have to push and play through some of that. What
0: can you control, right? Your, mm-hmm. your sleep, your nutrition, and like how you take care of your body outside of what you're doing in the sport because exactly. yeah, those things matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And one thing I love from a lot of my athletes is their resiliency. When they come in and they're kind of hurting, they don't say, oh, I'm going to take. Sometimes you need to take a day off, but most of the time they try to find something else. What else can I do? What's an alternative? So we'll have them come in and do compression boots, jump in the uh, infrared sauna, maybe do some cold plunging, or we'll have them just do mobility, stretching. So it could be as easy as upper body day, you know, at least they're getting some work in and actually moving to try to go in the right direction as opposed to just calling it a day. Um, and I think those athletes are the most resilient. And those are the ones that can help build because they're always finding solutions because you're going to run into problems in your season, especially at higher levels. It's just going to happen. Sports aren't necessarily good for you. And that's <laughs> something people have to acknowledge. Yeah. It's not just good for you to do this all the time,
0: you know, Yeah. No, you have to, it's good for you uh, dose dependent, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you give it the right amount, but if you overdo it or if you underdo it, it's, there's no, (laughs) yeah, that's medicine is in the dose. Exactly. That's very true. That's a good way to put it. And so, um, if they are hitting all these things and they're, they're dialed, they've, they've been hitting their training pretty well, but they hit this plateau. What can like an athlete do to break through some sort of plateau that they're finding, um, in their game? Um, what can they, you know, change in their training that mm-hmm. is going to or like do they do more do they do two sets in a day double days like what can you do i think you look at their current i do it call it a time
1: audit let's look at their current time they're spending on it do they have a job are they doing 20 40 hours of work outside of this no wonder you're plateauing you don't have the right energy capacity or time currency to spend on this but if you have that time like you're a kid and summer just hit you don't have a job you're lucky to be in that position let's get in the gym let's work it a little more But that means your recovery, you have to be on top of it as as well. So I would pick apart each athlete's client. Let's just say client because I have some people that aren't athletes, um, their individual lifestyle. And where are we missing the mark here? You know, is it my training program? Yeah, I have to take a look at myself too. But, you know, if we're practically progressing through a four-week program, we should see some type of progression. Might not be linear, but we're going to see ups and downs. If we're not seeing ups, I take a look at myself and I'm going to ask them questions so we can combine and figure out where you know, where we can get out of that rut
0: because to, like plateaus are just something or are, are, are they real? Are they like, is, yeah. is it just a lack of uh, pushing the boundary? Um, I, th- I
1: think it's important that sometimes people need to accept plateaus are part of the game. Like you're climbing yeah. up one, if you're 90% towards your genetic potential, so you're, you're close to the most you can be and you go up 1%. It might take another while to find that next 1% because one, <laughs> you have to maintain where you're at. That's a skill in itself so
0: yeah you don't use it you lose it right like if you've been lifting 315 on the squat like if you stop doing that one Mm -hmm. week like it's it's already going to slow down like Mm -hmm.
1: yeah now if you have percentages built in where you know you're gradually going up now we're gonna do a different emphasis build it back up then then it's going to be easy to jump through those plateaus so i always recommend to people that are in plateaus to get on a program i see that they're not following a program where they kind of are i'm kind of doing it i'm doing sets of 10 for the next five weeks that's not a program, right? For the most part. So following something where you can analytically track, okay, this isn't working and you can see the pattern and maybe
0: why it's not working, you know? Yeah, definitely. And so tell me a little bit about like, uh, okay. So anything that you find that is, is overrated in the, uh, fitness industry, uh, lately that you've seen like out there, um, I guess in popular culture.
1: Yeah. Um, I'd say blood flow restrictive uh, training, BFR training. I don't think it's overrated for injury, injury, injury for, comebacks. You know, yeah, like atrophy stuff. I think someone that is uh, everyday Joe, and not to call that as if that person's less than. There's just you know they work a regular job. They probably don't train that much. They're kind of the average American. We probably don't need to throw them under BFR cuffs and and have them doing like ten bands and chains on their. They probably need to learn how to move foundationally. It's not fun. It's not pretty. But that's the best thing for them, and if that's your real goal, I think the BFR stuff can be for looks a lot of time, um, or it's experimental, which I don't think is good either. I so. think it's
0: a phenomenal way to do it when you're in injury prevention, like, you know, come mm-hmm. back to balance out, like, something that has atrophied from where it was, mm-hmm. not to, like, you know, increase your performance because you're an average, yeah, exactly, an average Jim. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're, like, you know, trying to put on a little bit more size, and you're, you know, at your... 90 percent genetic mm-hmm. capacity trying to get one percent maybe that that could be a you know a way to do it i don't know mm-hmm. um but what do you think about that
1: you know i'm with you i think it, it has its purpose every tool is only as good as the person using the tool like re- if you're not a craftsman I you give me a hammer i'm not going to use it for non-hammer activities like it doesn't make yeah. any sense to me
0: it's just like one of the lower on the totem pole type stuff right yeah.
1: And I think when people are coming to the gym, they want something. It's like when you go to the chiropractor, you, f- you feel a pop. Oh, my back's fixed. Because you want it to be instantaneous. When the reality is that's probably not the truth. It's just a relief. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you look and you see these pieces of equipment like, oh, that's why I'm, I'm fat. As I don't do that. But Probably not. It probably mm-hmm. is not the that's reason. That's not why. You know what I mean? And yeah. So I'm not knocking all these trainers that do it. I don't. I think it's overrated. No, I think yeah. it's it's your turn what's
0: overrated what Oh, what's overrated? All right we were talking about this a little bit before the uh podcast and as the wellness guy and the guy that loves yeah. doing the ice baths Uh-oh. and all that stuff, the ice bath itself like it, if if you're an athlete and you're like it is not I would say saunas is better. I would say go in the heat more often is going to be after. after training. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, you don't want to be too loose before training. You no. still want some of that springiness that um yeah a sauna would make you you don't want to nap either you don't want to be like relaxed <laughs> mm-hmm. like that you want to you know have some you know spring to you but yeah uh the cold plunge is great like in the morning time if you can get there like real early you know you want to wake up the body wake up the nervous system um if you could do it pre-lift but like if you're doing it post-lift it's not really going to help mm-hmm. um uh, other than blunt, the pain response or the inflammation, which you kind of need for the muscle building. And yeah. and
1: then you can respond to how you've been training.
0: Uh, exactly. Like if you're going to do it after, maybe wait till like nighttime and mm-hmm. like wait till it's like four or five hours after so that you can get like that protein synthesis from whatever you eat f- between then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I would say, yeah, so the ice bath, I love the ice bath. Don't get me wrong. That first in the day is great for me, but Is it like a post-training thing? Do you always need to be doing it? No. Um, Four times a week in the morning, great. Killing it. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And my point with that that we talked about earlier is that I think it's a tool like we talked about. But if you're doing a cold plunge every day but you're out drinking, you're you're not sleeping enough, you're not eating the right foods, you're not getting the right amount of foods, and then you're cold plunging. I mean, yeah, it's going to have some effect but… You're working on the next level, you need to work on your baseline stuff first to really see the effect the way that, you know, it really could help you. So, that's my thoughts on it. It's just cuz it's the cool trendy thing right now, but cool trendy things do not get me in cold water. I don't love doing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't love it, but yeah, I get you. Afterwards great. Yeah, and like great. once a week I see TJ, maybe we'll try and do something <laughs> like a cold plunge. I just throw my head yeah, in the cold yeah, water, you know, He does not do anything too crazy. Quick. Um, but okay, so give me something that's underrated then. No, I want to do another overrated. Oh, another overrated. What You're you not got? the boss here
1: anymore. It's me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. I just
0: thought of it while we were sitting.
1: Yeah, tren, tren. Anything, or
0: like and- anything <sighs> performance enhancing, androgen based. <Yeah>. Like <laughs> it's hard for me
1: because in the bodybuilding world to compete, and in reality, CrossFitters don't like me saying this. The CrossFit world to be one of the top dogs, you probably have to do that to get in that range of people. Um, and so <laughs> yeah. I understand it's your world, it's your sport. Because yeah, I don't believe in concussions, but for football, you got to go out and hit to learn how to hit in games. So I understood, you know, it's not everything's good for you, but all these kids being influenced by people that are dying in their 30s and 40s because their heart stops, or and they're going bald, and aneurysm. their personalities manic, and yeah, did you see that oh. one
0: guy, the Joe Stetix guy? Yeah. He just passed away, and he's like, a good and I'm dude. I'm not saying like I don't know, but like he had an aneurysm, right? And that, Let's be that could be probably linked to his, you
1: know, steroid usage. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I never want to wish ill on the dead, like all respect to that guy. And he seemed like a good person. Yeah, but he was
0: awesome to follow on exactly. social
1: media, but it kind of shows you and these kids need to see long term because I hear them. They want to get big so fast. The thing about doing all that is you're kind of skipping the steps of learning how it works. And that's kind of the beauty of it. You're looking for the result and missing the process.
0: The process is where you learn everything like the determination, the grit that it takes to get there, like mm-hmm. all of those mindset battles you have to deal with on the way. That you don't have to deal with if you you know yeah. you know enhance and then and then at the end
1: of the day every time you look at yourself in the mirror which I think they do too much uh, you're you're looking at something you you probably wonder could I have done this without it and the reality is no because you skipped the parts that teach you how to do it you know and you took the fast route but it's going to be the painful route on, on, in the long run so I always encourage kids to see how far they can take things naturally like that's that's impressive to me and even if it's bodybuilding if it's training. You know, I don't want to do any of those things, especially at 29 years old, when my testosterone's rampant. You know how many times people have tried to offer me a testosterone sample or, <laughs> or, hey, we'll get your test down. We'll make, I'm like, I don't want to get my test down so that I can get prescribed <laughs> stuff. That's stupid. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> and that's just my look on it. I, I'm sure you feel the same being your background. Does, does that sound about yeah, right? Yeah,
0: that sounds about right with me. I'm like, well, like there's just. Uh, if you're not doing all of the other stuff first, like you said about everything else, like why are we even enhancing? Like why, why are, have you tried this? Have you not tried sleeping better and, Mm -hmm. you know, cutting out alcohol and cutting out Mm -hmm. bad food and like canola oil and all that (laughs) shit. Like, like that, if you did that first and then saw some results, like, would you have taken the stuff? I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's, uh, don't enhance unless you really like are in a world of, you know, (laughs) bodybuilding or powerlifting where you're trying to be the Mm -hmm. top one, one (laughs) percent. And then study what it's going to do to you. I
1: respect people that have knowledge in what's going to happen, and or they have the, they know what possible. They, you, know, you know they accept
0: it. They yeah, like, they signed it, signed
1: it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear Alex Ramosi talk about it. One of my favorite favorite mentors. Um, he talks about how he's like, I know it's not good for me to build muscle at this rate. How big I am. Like I'm probably cutting years off my life in reality. But this is what I'm addicted to and love to do. And this this is a good vice for me, building getting big. I'm like, okay, that he knows it.
0: He's cool with it. And I don't know what he's on, but, you know. I'm sure he's open open to telling you about it Mm -hmm. if you you asked him in person. Probably. (laughs) And I respect that about people. So I'm
1: not knocking everyone that does it. That's just my opinion. I think it's a shortcut, a cheating way. And and it makes you kind of – it kind of shows insecurity to me that you're not willing to go the long route and battle with yourself to get where you want to be. So yeah. you got to fake it.
0: Yeah, I agree. It still yeah. takes work, though. It still takes work. At least if you do do it, be open about it. Don't don't be like I'm a natty. Like you're yeah, not then natty, the kids bro. are like, like, oh, they
1: just want to be like you, but they don't. They got to get on stuff because that's the only way to really be like you.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not. Well, always. as as we
1: go, overrated, underrated. What do you got next? You got an underrated, or yeah, I bet you
0: do. Yeah, so underrated. I think light health. I think that a lot of people don't get either enough sunlight. Um, That's like, AKA that's the number one way, right? Like, and then we have like red light therapy or something like that to help, you know, amplify that light health. But Mm -hmm. um, not uh, now that it's hot outside, especially in Arizona, we do have plenty of sunlight, but nobody is outside or like because of the heat, right? Like, so it's 120 degrees. Nobody's getting any of that sunlight. And so Mm -hmm. um, people, don't realize how much of an effect that has on your hormones it has on you know the way your skin looks the Mm -hmm. collagen uptake like all of these vitamin d synthesis these are like massive parts of health that people don't talk about really yeah
1: yeah i agree and i can vouch for that being from south dakota uh the winters there sometimes could get pretty dreary and where i was where i grew up rapid city we'd get a little bit of sun um It was actually a little better weather than most of the state. But once I moved over to Aberdeen in the northeast corner for college, man, it was dark a lot more often. It was so cold that you really were not getting your sunlight. Um, And you'd feel kind of that effect. So when I moved here, even though it's 110, 120 to me, I still get at least 15 minutes a day intentionally. I take my shirt off. Uh, My neighbors make fun of me because I never have my shirt on. But after living out here, it feels so good on my skin. You know, I feel the effects in my mood, my energy. If I'm tired and unmotivated, I'll go take my dog on a walk, put her little booties on, go outside in the sun. She likes it too, but I can definitely feel that effect, so...
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I notice that the days I just, like, don't get outside, I'm just in the gym all day, like, working Mm -hmm. or have clients all day, it's, like, it actually affects me heavily, and and that's just in, like, one day, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if you just don't get enough sunlight, if you show up early and go to work and you you sit inside for 24 hours under some, like, you know, really bad blue lights that (laughs) are, like, not great for your eyes and you're looking at screens and stuff like that.
1: People that work on a computer all day, I can't imagine.
0: Yeah, man, that, that's like your eyes have got to be, you know, strained constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, light health being like my underrated. Boom. I can't add much more. There's, you
1: had the good details. I had the just, oh, this is what happens
0: for me. Works out. Yeah. And then uh, what about you on the underrated? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to
1: say sprinting and I'm going to add sprinting after you're done with sports. Um, I think it's crazy the amount of people it's underrated. Sorry, that people don't do it. Or, no, no they, they, excuse me. Sprinting is underrated. So many people... Will live their life till their 20 years old and never sprint again in their life. And that's mind blowing to me because you know, that's maybe a
0: quarter of your life. It's really funny. You bring that up is like last podcast. Um, I was talking to a pitching coach and he's like the best pitchers. They just, they do sprints, right? Like, and they yeah. d- like, like, why are we recovering running poles like back and forth like, in, in uh, an anaerobic an way when you're pitching anaerobically? So like, why yep. are we not recovering anaerobically by sprints? Agree. Like, it's a
1: different energy system for people that out there that don't know. So it's like, when you have volleyball players, baseball, explosive athletes, football, you're gonna have them run a mile or two miles. That does not apply to their their health at all. Now we talked about how having a base is important, but in reality, could you optimize that time with something else? Absolutely, I think.
0: Absolutely. Um, And I
1: think people stop sprinting because one, they stop for a while when sports are done and then they go, okay, I'm gonna go pick it up and run again and then boom, hamstrings, knees, things like that because they don't know a practical way to build it back up and then they think, oh, I'm just getting too old. I hear that so much, oh, you just wait. I'm 29. You know the amount of surgeries I've had? I'm out there sprinting every chance I get, and I feel great, and I can feel the difference when my body does it. It's
0: yeah. amazing. I get, like, that you do, you know, have age-related things. For sure. But, again, like, guys, you guys are overemphasizing You're limiting that. yourself. You're limiting yourself to the performance you could have because you say you're old. And, like, it's <laughs> you're not even, like – at the people say they're old at like 35 like dude you're like not even at the halfway mark yet Mm -hmm. like in the even if the halfway mark is 42 it's it's Mm -hmm. still not there yet and you're not like you can still gain muscle and progress athletically throughout your life especially like in the endurance sports you see like most of those people need like 10 years of bone density work to get up to doing uh 100 mile race or like a 50 mile race or something crazy like that it's nuts and and i find
1: too i have an example my friend brady he was kind of my guinea pig for a while so i gave him free programming and we'd work out together and i'd test things on him Um, brady had broken femurs in high school he wasn't the most athletic after coming back from that with all the times that he had missed man he got so much more athletic just through this training and believing it the dude had broken femurs he got screws put in his legs and he's more athletic at 25 26 27 years old than he was when he was playing sports it's kind of unfortunate, you know. Yeah, goes back to the training. But at the same time, it was probably really cool for him to see that. And now he still trains like an athlete. I think he might be a little out of shape right now to call him out. But uh, <laughs> but you know, he still trains like an athlete. He still has that ability to go do that because he didn't stop. He didn't limit himself like the majority of people do. It's crazy yeah, to
0: me. The, and I, I get it. Injuries are debilitating. Like uh, when I tore my hamstring and I was out for months, like at a time, you see a lot of like, you know, negative consequences from that, like a lot of for atrophy, sure. a lot of things that you have to rebuild that it is a grind, but it's much better than just giving up mm-hmm. and just dealing with it and like yeah. having like, cause like then you deal with that the rest of your life. And, and how like, much more like,
1: fulfilling is it when you come back from that? And you're back to where you were, and it's like, dang, I really did this. Yeah, I I worked on those hard days. I got on that pink dumbbell when I tore my shoulder, and I'm raising (laughs) it. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough.
0: But, yeah, I mean, worth every second, right? And then if you take it, like, I I don't know, for me, I'm grateful for all those injuries because that has made me such a better trainer now because of it. Now that I know it does help. Well, yeah, because you learn from experience, right? So you have to get injured, you got to fall, you got to get hurt so that you can tell kids not to Mm -hmm. and how to train properly and how so that you don't have to do what I did. (laughs) Yeah. You know, take the fast route to where I am. Yeah. Learn from my mistakes. I'll gladly teach you. Yeah. very true. Uh, and uh, anything else you want to bring up before we get you out of here, TJ? Um, we don't have much time left.
1: Then that's probably not a good idea because I'll just ramble. you just uh, no,
0: ramble. Thanks for having me
1: on again. Enjoy having a conversation with you. This is kind of funny because we just put microphones in front of our face, but this is how ninety percent of our combos actually go.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, if we we could just you know put the mics on at any time and it would be <laughs> exactly like this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> good to surround yourself with people that have similar. Uh, ways of thinking and that's a good way for you to grow and so maybe that's what i'll leave with to a message to people is try to surround yourself with people that challenge you but are open-minded and you can have discussions with and it's just discussion um, and be open to hearing new opinions and you know even if a lot of them reinforce the way i think that, yeah that's a nice bonus too
0: yeah and it's uh you know don't be afraid to be the guy at the party just talk about health and fitness because that's all i do anyways everywhere i, I go it's I'm like i'm kicking you even out of the party you know no, kick kidding. me out I'm, just, I'm not the fun guy i <laughs> no, do talk about like why are you guys all drinking right now <laughs> no, i just kidding no <laughs> nootropics nootropics only no i'm just kidding but uh thanks again tj and we'll catch you guys next week on the price for paradise my name's woody and aloha
1: aloha